Welcome to Talking with the Animals, an exploration of animal communication. Join animal communicator, craniosacral therapist, and NES practitioner Caroline Pope as she discusses how to understand other species as they truly are, not just from the human perspective. That's right, Mecco. Discover how communicating with our four-legged friends can open up a whole new world for both of you. And now, your host and Australia's most recognized and well-known animal communicator, Caroline Pope. Hello and welcome to Talking With The Animals. I'm your host, Caroline Pope. Thank you very much for joining me. Today, I'm going to cover animal communication and the role of communication with veterinary visits. This is one I get asked a lot. So I figured I'd cover it, particularly because I've seen a lot of so-called COVID puppies in the last 12 months that haven't had a great deal of socialization through no fault of their owners, but they're not coping as well as your average, in inverted commas, pre-COVID dog as far as veterinary visits go. Um and we're seeing a lot more dogs with separation anxiety and all sorts of other issues, which is partly a side effect of the pandemic. So first of all, let me be very, very clear. Communication is no substitute for veterinary attention. I will have, if I have someone ring up and say my cat is spraying, blah, blah, blah. My first question is always, have you taken the cat to a vet to check for a urinary tract infection? If the answer is yes, we will continue the conversation. If the answer is no, or, oh, yes, we did last year, but we haven't checked this year, I will not speak to that animal or see it until it's been checked by a vet because over 50% of cats that spray are due to a UTI, 50%. Now, you cannot medicate an animal for anxiety or talk to it, give it flower essences, whatever, if it's got physical pain. And unfortunately, I'm seeing more and more um, stuff written off as behavioral, um, both by owners and by vets, that's actually physical pain. So always, always, always get your animal checked. Now, if they have um, taken the animal to the vet, then obviously I'll communicate with it. Now, if you're having to take your animal to the vet, there's a lot you can do to set the animal up to pass, not to fail. Most people are not aware they can communicate, but believe me, the dog's picking up, or the cat, or the horse, whatever, is picking up on your thoughts 24-7, 365. So start examining your own thoughts first. Are you expecting the dog to panic? Are you expecting the dog to attempt to bite you or the vet? Are you expecting the dog to panic and turn itself inside out or the cat? or the horse. Because if you are, think what you're showing to that animal, because they do pick up on that. If you're panicked 
about taking your dog to the vet. And don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about if your dog's just been hit by a car or something like that. I'm talking for an average check, might be to see what the teeth's like for a dental, anything along those, you know, regular in inverted commas lined, non-emergency situation. You need to really master your own thoughts because when you do that, you can then start thinking about the visit in the way you expect the visit should go, i.e. your cat's well behaved, it doesn't grip the claws into the um, cage and go, I'm not coming out even when the poor vet has to tip the cage upside down, doesn't try and shred everybody, leap around, that kind of stuff. Dogs don't panic, don't bite. You get the general gist. Um, And, you know, start handling your own animals. They may not like it, but it's still important to get used to it. And I'm going to be honest here. This is so much of what I call a peace, love and moonbeams movement. Oh, he doesn't like it, so I don't do it. You don't say that to a two or five-year-old. What, you don't like me grabbing you so you're not going to run out and get hit by a car? This is the sort of things people do. Your dog or cat needs to have its mouth checked. They need to have their feet handled. It's an owner's responsibility to be able to do that safely because if you can't do it safely and calmly, what hope has the animal got in a situation that it's not comfortable with being handled by someone it doesn't know in a place that smells of other animals and can be scary and quite often the animal's in pain? Getting your animal used to being handled can take so much pressure off for both of you. Now, the other thing is don't do what we call inappropriate reassurance. The dog's um, shaking and growling at the vet and they're saying, oh, good dog, good dog, it's okay. It's not. Ignore that sort of behaviour. Now, as a vet nurse, I used to be able to watch people walk up the particular clinic I was at, had windows looking out onto the car park. And the vets always said, oh, Caroline gets to handle them all when they come in the door because she's able to read them. No, Caroline stuck her head um, through, out, looked out the window and watched the owner handle the dog or the cat. You get an awful lot of information on someone's relationship with a dog or a cat as they're walking up the car park and into the vet clinic. And in the same way, if you've got your dog or cat in a vet clinic waiting room and you're able to watch the other people around you. So often in vet clinics, I'll see people and they've got their cat in a carrier, as you should have. No cat should go into a vet clinic without being in a good solid carrier for the cat's protection. And they'll put it on the floor or they'll put it on the bench and someone will let their dog go up and sniff. Now, how do you think if you're the cat, you're going to feel you're terrified you're at the vet and there's this big dog sniffing? I do not understand why more owners don't say, take your dog away and don't wait till it gets right up to it and start sniffing. Excuse me, can you please remove your dog out of my cat's space? My cat's not comfortable. Most owners will be good about that. And if they're not, oh, but my dog wants to sniff. I'm not very polite, and if necessary, call the nurse or the receptionist. No one has the right to do that. In the same way, 
you'll often get people, and particularly with COVID, the kids have got to come to the clinic as well if if mum's ta- or dad's taking the dog into the vet, and that's fine. You've got to do what you've got to do. But the kids will go up and the par- I've heard the parents say, go and pat the dog. Um, this is in a vet clinic situation and the dog's not well. I will never allow anyone else up to my animal. And if you've got a dog there that's eyeballing your dog and snarling and carrying on and the owners are making no real attempt to break eye contact, move the dog away and be responsible, take your dog outside, take it back to the car and tell a nurse, I'm sorry, I'm not upsetting my dog any more than is necessary or my cat. I'll wait for you in the car. Call me when you're ready to come in. Obviously, if it's summer, it's 40 degrees, might be a little different, But then again, this is not setting your animal up to fail. Now, this is also once you're in the consult room where communication can be very useful. Sometimes the animal will know what the incident was. For example, I saw a cat the other day that was tearing um, fur off its back and it showed me jumping off a high fence that the um, owner was able to validate, yes, there was a fence very exactly like that down the road, that had happened a couple of years back. And that had been the beginning of the animal's problem. That's fabulous. You know what happened. You're then able to also potentially prevent the problem happening again. With a holistic vet, is the animal better or worse for damp or cold? The vet is then able to be more specific with the um, medication, herb, homeopathy, whatever that they choose, which is then going to increase the animal's health in a much shorter space of time. And again, if they know what it is, generally you can deal with it more in a long term. And if you can't medicate your animal, it used to do my head in when I'd be speaking to owners four or five days after they'd been to a clinic I'd send them to, and particularly cats. Look, cats can be a sod to dose. I'm the first to say so. One of mine, yeah, Chinese herbs really aren't an option for him. But they wouldn't tell the vet, I'm sorry, my cat's an absolute bugger to dose. I can't get tablets down his throat three times a day. I need another option. The option might be an injection. For, say, thyroid, uh, cats with thyroid problems, the option may be cream in the ear rather than tablets down the throat. But if you can't dose your animal, please let your vet know. They would much rather you be honest and say, I can't dose Fido, or in the case of horses, I can't inject my own horse. I need someone with me. The vets would much rather you were honest about it And then they can do something, change the treatment so that the animal's still getting what it requires. That way, everybody's happy. Otherwise, you're setting your animal up to fail. And potentially, they may well be getting sicker. Now, as far as, say, for example, your dog's done a cruciate, pretty common these days, unfortunately, and owners are told they have to keep the dog quiet. Not an easy one, particularly if you've got a 12-month-old um, bouncing German shorthead pointer, for example. I don't envy you. Communica- People will call me and expect me to communicate with the dog. 
And communication may sometimes help a bit, but think of it like a five-year-old child that has to be in bed with, a, say, a broken arm, but he might also have spinal injuries. So he's not allowed to get out of bed and run around. That's not always going to be easy. And sometimes you've just got to do the hard yards. But just because your dog or cat can't be physically active, and believe me, I understand how challenging that can be, it doesn't mean that they can't still use their brain. You can do something like clicker training and reward them from looking left, right, up or down. If it's a back leg, you can get them to, you can reward them for using a front leg touching something with a paw. There's still plenty. And cats, you can click a train as well. So it's ways you can teach your animal and get them to use particularly their nose because their noses are much, much more sensitive than ours. And they'll get an endorphin release with it. And I'll mentally sometimes, um, show one of my animals something that I may have hidden three hours earlier and then watch them go and find it. So there's plenty you can do as far as that goes. You can also send the pictures mentally of how long an animal may need to be confined. Say, for example, um, dog's done its cruciate and or half ruptured and the vet said, all right, we've got to be completely um, cage rested for three weeks. And I'm purely f- pulling figures out of the air here or say a month. That way, you don't lie to the animal and say, oh, it'll only be a week, it'll only be whatever. You show them the full moon. A moon's a month. Dogs don't and cats don't do calendars in the way we do. They do moon cycles day and night. So show them what's expected and then show them that after that, they're going to be on lead for a certain amount of time and it's going to take time to build them back up. And ultimately, at the end of it all, you can show them running pain-free back in their dog park or their beach or wherever they like to run so that the animal understands why you're doing it. Don't get me wrong, they may not like it, um, but you, know, you may not either. But go back to the example of the five-year-old kid. If you're the mother, I'll bet you can't wait till the day the kid's out of bed and able to do a little bit more either. But being honest with the animal, because that's one of the species differences. A dog or a cat, if they feel good, they're going to go about their normal life. And this is where painkillers can be a little bit of a double-edged sword. You know, no one wants their animal in pain and they shouldn't be in pain. But equally, just because the animals had a painkiller doesn't mean its legs instantly cured. But from their species perspective, you can't turn around and say to a cat, please don't jump on and off the bench because I've given you a painkiller and although you can't feel it, you're still damaging your leg. Doesn't work that way. A cat is instinctually going to jump. That's what their DNA is. That's what they do. So therefore, it's up to you to manage it. In the same way, you can't say to a dog, look, yeah, your leg or your hip's still sore, but you feel good and then leave him off lead and someone throws a tennis ball or he sees a bird in the yard and goes hurtling off after it, which is a natural dog thing to do. Communication is not going to work in those cases. What it does do is give the dog an approximate timeline 
that it know, or the cat or the horse, the approximate timeline, so it knows what you're doing and why. And then you still have to set up all the other appropriate boundaries and try and get them to use their brain in different ways to get the time to go by. And obviously try and have them with you, all that sort of stuff as much as you can and keep them company for the time to go a little bit quicker. But at the end of the day, there's no quick fix for any of this kind of stuff in the same way there isn't for a human. They still need to heal and you still need to restrict them while they do. Animals can communicate brilliantly, but unfortunately in the wild and in the ways that the animals understand it, you go to a feral cat, it's never going to have an abscess cleaned and drained and antibiotics chance its immune system will either fight it off or it'll get sick and die. So people say, oh, but communication should. No, you need to put it in the terms that the dog or the cat understands it. And fortunately and unfortunately, what we do, we take responsibility for them. And that's fabulous. And we love them and we keep them safe. But with that, comes boundaries that animals may not like. But unfortunately, we all need to respect them to keep our animals safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking With The Animals. As always, don't forget to like and subscribe. And if there's any topics you'd like me to cover or any questions you have, please drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, stay safe, pat your dog, your cat or your horse. And remember, where you can, talk with the animals. With the animals. To learn more about Caroline and the services she provides, visit caroline-pope.com. You can also find her on Facebook at Caroline Pope Animal Communicator, CST, and NES Therapy. Are you ready to change the way you see your world and the animals in it? Well, we know his answer. Don't forget to subscribe and see you next time.